Hayden Thompson here and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place and I'm excited to have you here. G'day and welcome to episode 93 where today, back for the second time on the podcast, I've got Erica Rankin who is the founder and CEO of Brodo. Now, many of you who play in the startup and food-based CPG world and are active on LinkedIn will be very familiar with Erica. Um, I encourage you all to go back to episode 30 if you haven't already listened to it there. Uh, we go right back into Erica's startup and founding story and um, to all of the value propositions that Brodo has, um, has revolving around it. But on today's episode, Erica brings us all up to speed on Brodo's status. Uh, she's now working with a co-packer and manufacturer. Uh, we chat about her awesome rebrand and the pros and cons of entrepreneurship and some critical lessons that she's learned while scaling her business as well. Now, as well as Brodo, Erica also is leveraging everything that she's learned on her social media and marketing journey. Uh, she's now also teaching brands how to grow their social media organically via TikTok. And you can actually go to her website, which is growwithericacom and you can sign up for more in-depth coaching where Erica will actually help you build a social media strategy. I encourage you all to go there. So yeah, a lot packed into this one. Um, Erica's an absolute gem. Uh, she's so honest and raw, like I've mentioned so many times, and I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I did. Cheers. Erica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I was just saying before we kicked off, it's just been over 12 months since you and I last spoke. And, uh, you know, we get to witness you and your business uh, every day on LinkedIn, which is awesome. I really love, um, you know, being along for the ride. And, you know, I was saying so much has happened. Like when we last uh, spoke, you were about to move your life to Toronto, which I can only imagine was a huge shift. Um, your business is on an upward trajectory. And I know that there's, you know, been some peaks and valleys um, that you've spoken about at times. And, you know, you've done a hell of a lot of growth yourself. So a lot to talk about today. Yeah, lots to talk about. And thanks for being a supporter. Really appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's honestly like, that's the one thing that I really get out of LinkedIn. Like I've said it so many times now on the podcast, but I really feel as if I'm a part of the community. You know, I might not be an entrepreneur, but I feel as if, you know, witnessing you all hustle every single day brings a lot of value to my life because I obviously work in sales as well. So I'm out there on the road. I've got my quota that I need to fulfill just like you guys do. And so I'm out there with that mindset of, you know, hustling every single day and building relationships. And I absolutely love it. So yeah, cheers. Thank you very much for it all. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. It's yeah. LinkedIn's a magical place. Isn't it? It's been a, uh, it's been a huge thing for you. You've mentioned it a few times that, you know, you know, you just literally started to put the word out there and your network has grown significantly and the amount of people that you've got access to is just phenomenal. Hey. Yeah, it's been great. And I'm honestly, I'm really grateful and I never thought it would have grown into what it is today. So yeah, it's insane. Crazy. Yeah. So how is Toronto? You know what? It's good. Um, I'm not really a city girl, so it's a bit of an adjustment for me. I'm actually closer to home now. So I started the business in Ottawa, which is like five yep. hours away from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, moved out that way to start the company and then came back to Toronto. And then I grew up like an hour outside of Toronto. So my parents are happy that I'm closer. But yeah. I'm now, yeah, city girl. I'm in the city. I haven't really fully experienced it yet. I moved in, um, I think, last October. So 
um, still like getting used to city life. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been doing a bit of travel as well. I saw you made your venture out here to Vancouver and you went camping. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Where'd you go? Uh, we went to Cat Lake. So it was like an hour ish, just over an hour outside of Vancouver. It's the first time I've actually ever gone like true camping oh really okay yeah yeah i think it might be my last (laughs) you didn't you know what the mozzies have been horrendous this year did you get eaten alive um yeah and you know it was just it was a real authentic camping experience (laughs) like we went for three days two nights yeah uh i woke up to like a deflated air mattress i was like on the ground it was really cold it was rainy you know like and then um they just implemented like you can't have a fire oh yeah yeah yeah, it's pretty dry so we we all sat around a fire pit in the dark with no fire. <laughs> oh, okay. So you didn't have the best experience. Honestly, you've got to do it a couple of times. Like the first two or three times that you go camping, you're just trying to figure it out. Like, how do I want to yeah. be set up? What do I need? You know, and then, yeah, your air mattress does get flat. So you figure out a way to sort of like get around that. And yeah, we, my wife, we take the kids camping. We've been camping three times this year and we've got another one booked for September. And we love it. Like we've found our rhythm with it now. You know, especially with the kids too, like they're so young, but they love it. And um, yeah, give it a couple more chances because you'll fall in love with it if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. I think yeah. I'm just not used to it. Like yeah, I, for sure. That was the longest I've gone without a shower, I think. So yeah. yeah. yeah different did you spend some sure. time in the lake? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, it was really great. It was a little chilly. So the yeah. one day it was, it was really cold and didn't go in the water really yeah. that much, but it's yeah. so beautiful up there. And I think I think my heart belongs up that way. Like mm-hmm. the Toronto's nice, the city's nice, but we don't have the ocean. We don't have the yeah. mountains. It's yeah. just not the same. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like we all try not to take it for granted, but when you do see it every day, you sort of see through it. But when mm-hmm. we head up, like when we head out of town on a long weekend or something like that, and you get out an hour, it's amazing how you can be in the middle of nowhere, you know, really, really quickly here. It's really cool. Yeah, I know. I've seen that to my friends. We drove for like an hour and I'm like, you guys live here. Like, this is crazy. I was yeah. like, you know, stuck to the window, like looking yeah. at the window, like a yeah. child. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. And I do every so single cool. time. Like growing up in Australia, the landscape is beautiful back home. Like, and you know, the flora and the fauna and everything's awesome, but it's just different. And the thing that I get a real kick out of it is the winter over here. Cause I didn't grow up with snow. So I know you grew up with like feet of snow on your doorstep, but like, that was just a novelty to me. Like having my first white Christmas was amazing. And uh, yeah, every time it snows here, I'm like a kid. Like I just want to get out and, you know, sled and ski and do all of those things. But yeah, when you mix that with the mountains, it's just a postcard. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the place to be if you're an outdoorsy person. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. So Brodo, where are we at? There has been so much occur. I remember last time we spoke, you were still producing the product yourself. You were out there hunting for a co-packer and I know that you've found a co-packer now and you're out there hustling and selling and, you know, working with distributors and are you cracked down into the States yet? Not yet. Okay. kind of something that we're planning yep. for yep. yeah yeah one of those things you don't want to get there, down there too quickly you sort of want to lock down what you're doing here right but yeah tell us all about it where are you at oh my gosh I feel like one year is the equivalent of 10 years in mm-hmm. entrepreneurship like I feel like I don't know I don't know how big my head's going to be in 20 years I feel like I have so much knowledge <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's an crazy. MBA it's an MBA yeah, yeah. It's, it's just me thinking you know everything um yeah. there's a whole other learning curve but I guess yeah, the biggest thing has just been scaling. Um, I remember going through the process of trying to find a man or a, yeah, a manufacturer. And I think I talked to like 
12 and I think two agreed to work with me out of Mm -hmm. those 12 um, based on like the minimums, me being a startup, them investing their time. And I was lucky enough, um, one of the ones that did say yes was in Toronto. So we had our first production run in December. Um, I partnered with a distributor, a national distributor, and I think March um, and we're just rolling out into retail by the end of September, I'll be in a hundred stores. Last year I was in two. So it's a really big step for it? me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so weird. And going to grocery stores and seeing my product and yeah, it's been, it's been a really cool experience. That's amazing. Have you grown the team or are you still a team of one? So I did hire my first employee. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah. Like last month, which was really exciting. He's been a great help. It's been really um, helpful to delegate some stuff over mm-hmm. as the, the company grows. Everything else is growing, but my team. So yeah. that yeah. will slowly continue to build out. I am contracting a lot of work out still, yeah. um, but internally I'm going to start growing it a bit more and more. Yeah. And I guess the other um, thing that made a real impact um, for all of us watching as well was the rebrand that you had, you know, um, which was beautiful. Like, you know, it wasn't a huge deviation from what you had, but it was a very obvious and meaningful deviation. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the rebrand. Like, was it something that you had like a, a crystal clear vision or when you went to the team that obviously developed it, were you like, here's my vision, here's a Pinterest board, like have at it? Like, what was your approach? I was really trusting. Um, I launched the company again, like super bootstrap. Like I remember coming on your podcast and talking yeah. about it and I kind of did everything myself. I built the website. Mm-hmm. I had someone from Fiverr make my logo for 50 yeah. bucks and that just like couldn't cut it anymore. I got to a certain point where I realized, okay, I need to invest in some actual like branding and improvements mm-hmm. with the packaging, the website, all of that. Um, and that initial process was going to take six months, but it ended up taking over a year just because yeah. it was so hard to find a manufacturer and we had to go through like the product development process and get the formula finalized. And then you can't complete the packaging and everything until mm. you know, like how yep. big the, yeah, like everything just took so long. Um, yep. but I basically went to this team, this brand development agency. I told them what I wanted. I kind of took them through the company and like where I want the company to go and, um, like the, I guess the mission statement and all of that sat down with them. And then I said, I just need help, help me. I don't know where to begin. So they actually ended up doing like a whole brand analysis. They interviewed some of my customers. They looked at competitors. They put together this big proposal. Um, and then they went through and did, uh, I think there was two variations of the packaging and then I got to pick what one or like mm-hmm. what direction I want to take the brand. And then um, they went through and developed like the website and all of that. And um, they let me be pretty hands-on, which is really nice. But I also gave them the reins and they kind of steered and they're really happy that I trusted them. And I'm glad that I did. Yeah, no doubt. It's landed in a really nice place. Um, Awesome to hear that they went out and they interviewed some of your consumers. Um, Do you know if that was sort of like a a Q&A or how did they sort of go about that? Was it extensive? (laughs) Yeah. So it was just a handful of people and they were just kind of trying to figure out um, what people like about the product, where there could be improvements, the packaging, like basically just the look and feel of the brand itself um, and what direction to take it. And then also trying to figure out the type of consumer that's purchasing my product. And Mm -hmm. we found that there's a couple different buckets. Um, There's like the health conscious consumer. There's the fitness advocate, like the person who's really heavy into running or lifting or exercise. Um, the vegan, and then there's also the mothers that purchase it for their their kids. Yeah, as a healthy option. Yeah. 
That's cool. So they're your sort of personas that you've built around. Um, when you are out and you're developing your, you know, your marketing campaigns and your TikTok posts and stuff like that, are you, when you're putting them together, are you thinking about those personas and who you're speaking to? Like, what's your approach in that respect? Uh, I honestly don't overthink yeah. things. I'm yeah. kind of just a person who goes and does things. Yeah. And I think it has been a lot of trial and error of me just trying to put out random ideas and stuff and different mm-hmm. types of content. And the content that seems to really resonate with, I lean more into that um, and continue to deliver that content. And it's easier for me because I'm kind of like my target customer in a way. So a lot of the stuff that I like and I get attracted to as a person who goes on social media or gets ads or, you know, like shops online and stuff, um, it's easier for me because I know what works on me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good approach. kind of awesome that you're in you know you're your own target audience as well entrepreneurs typically find what it is that they want to do because they're trying to solve a problem themselves and I know that's what you did but you know to be that you know be that persona as well and I guess that's sort of been the success of your TikTok um or that's been where you've found success in TikTok as well is that you've been your it may sound a bit cliche but you've been really authentic you've been yourself and um I know that, you know, you talked about on the last show how at first it was a little uncomfortable for you or just like everybody when they get in front of the camera at first, but you're like, to hell with it. I'm just going to keep on doing this. And you've built yourself into a position right now where you seem really comfortable in front of the camera and and with everything that you're doing right now. And um, I love the way that, you know, you're every day you're putting out content and it's sort of, you're playing this role of being like, hey. I'm a real person here and I've seen some success and you're all people as well. Like there's no reason why you can't all do this too. It's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other. Like that's the message that you're putting out each day, whether it's your approach to business or your approach to your social media strategy or whatever it is. And I think that that's why people connect so much with you. Like that's sort of my take on it. What's your take on it? Like where do you see your success and what do you sort of put it down to? First off, thank you. That's so kind of you to say. Um, Yeah, honestly. Uh, I don't know. There's nothing, and I don't mean to like, there's nothing special about me, right? Like I'm just someone who um, I used to be super introverted. I mean, I still am. Mm. Like at the end of the day, if I'm out socializing or making videos all day, like I need to go home and like sit in a room by myself and yeah. just like Take have a like a, bit. a book or a TV show. And, you know, I'm kind of just get back and grounded with myself. But um I think I was forced to start putting myself out there because I just didn't have the resources or like Mm. the financial capabilities to outsource it. Right. And I was like, okay, if I don't do this, then this business isn't going to work. And what's the point of even, you know, like investing everything. Cause I pretty much dumped all my savings in this company. Right. And I thought, okay, like if I'm really going all in, in that regard, then I need to go in all in this way too. Like I need to um, get uncomfortable. So Mm. Um, yeah, I started putting out content and then it ended up resonating with a lot of people, which was really surprising for me because at first I was kind of doing it um, to get out of my comfort zone and then also build the business because it was kind of now or never, right? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, along the way, I kind of grew this following um, and realized how big of an impact it had on others and how um, similar a lot of other people felt. Like mm. a lot of people are super uncomfortable putting themselves online and 
it doesn't come naturally to me and it never did. And I tell people that and I tell them that it won't probably come naturally to them either. You just have to like force yourself to do it. And then yeah. over time, it gets a lot easier. Yeah. As I'm sure you know, like doing yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I had this conversation with somebody today. It's like at first starting the podcast was weird. Like I, you know, the sound of my own voice, especially when I was editing it, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. And you eventually like come around, you know, it's sort of like, this is what I'm doing. And I put myself in a position where I didn't give myself an option out. I'm like, I'm doing an episode a week for 18 months. And I'm going to then at that point, I'm going to make a decision whether I want to keep going or not. Cause I know it takes time for these things to sort of build. You've got to build a, and sort of uh, establish a foundation for anything. And um, I got to that 18 point mark and I still feel uncomfortable when I'm speaking, but it becomes easier because you do find your rhythm and, you know, it's just like anything, the more you practice it, the, the better you get. And then I also found myself analyzing other when I was listening to podcasts, other people interview and their interview style as well. So, you know, but yes, it, it didn't come naturally to me either. It's, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre thing, but it's what I enjoy the most in my week, sitting down and having a chat with an entrepreneur, like it genuinely fuels me. And whether it's, you know, looking at posts on LinkedIn, like yours, or whether I'm scrolling through Instagram and, you know, there's somebody there that's putting some content out there. I'm like, hell yeah, let's get after it. Or if it's, you know, having a conversation with Jake from Midday Squares, like he's very similar to you in that he's like, let's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like, you know, you guys have all got mantras and I love it because I start to incorporate them in my life too. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, yeah, look what you've done, right? Like what episode number is this? Uh, well, I mean, episode 90. So I'm a couple of weeks ahead. I'm actually taking the month of September off because my parents are coming oh. out in, for three oh, weeks, which nice. would be good. So That's I've exciting. got, yeah, I think you're, you're my fifth episode in the bank. So you'll be coming out in October, November, sometime along there. So yes, I've bet currently that like right today, when you and I are speaking right now, episode 90 will go live this week. So yes, awesome. it's, it's pretty nuts. I can't believe it really. Yeah. yeah. So much value. Uh, oh man. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, um, Tim Ferriss puts out like a tribe of mentors and he's got his book and, you know, it's interviewing people that have been extremely successful, whether they're athletes or doctors and surgeons or entrepreneurs, investors, like it's really cool. And yet I find the same value out of speaking to people that have been operating for 12 months in business, you know, like mm -hmm. there's something that you get, like you get a lot of value out of speaking to people that are actually doing, you know, and learning on the fly. Like, it's awesome. Like I went and I did my um, master's in entrepreneurship and innovation at university. And it was awesome. It was a great course. I did it three years part-time while I was managing a cafe full-time back in Melbourne. It was a great course. However, I learned more starting and failing my first business than I did throughout the whole time that I um, completed my master's. And then outside of that, now that I'm working in sales in business development, like I'm putting a lot of what I learned into practice, but none of it really sticks until you're actually out there pounding the pavements and talking and having conversations. And that's where the real learning begins. And that's why I was like suggested earlier on, like you, in 12 months, what you're doing is like a real life MBA. Like it's so mm -hmm. invaluable. You know, and even yeah. when I had my business fail, like it was a, a cosmetic company where what I was doing is I was collecting used coffee grinds and I was upcycling them by drying them um, and getting all of the microbiological contamination taken out of it. And then I was um, giving that to a contract manufacturer. They were turning it into a coffee scrub and then I was packing wow. it in a tube and then I was marketing and selling it. So just like you are. And, um, and at the time we just got the business off the ground and my wife, Ash and I, we were planning on coming back to Canada. And so we came back to Canada and it's very, very hard to run a business from the other side of the world. And it ultimately failed. Yeah. But in that failure, I learned a lot and I know what I did wrong and I know what I did right. And I know that next time I have a crack at it, I know sort of the direction that I'll be taking it. And yeah, 
So it was cool. But not only that, the financial pain of having a, a failure is also real. Like we yeah. had, we saw some, you know, money get dropped on that. And financially, it took us a while to recover from that. And mm-hmm. that in itself was a lesson to learn because it's like, all right, we need to be a bit tighter with our funds. We need to understand that, you know, if we're investing in this, not only are we investing in it emotionally, but financially, it's a huge endeavor and it can follow you for years if something doesn't mm-hmm. work, you know? So, it's yeah, so much to be learned in that. And I think I'm, I'm really glad that I had that failure. Like it was a good one to get out of the way earlier, early so that, you know, right now I'm in a really comfortable place in my position at food pack. And also on the podcast, I think I've got a lot of things going on that are right, but when the time is right, I, I think I'll be ready to strike. It'll be fun. Yeah, no. And I think the failures piece, like I talked to, I think I posted about that today is taking L's as lessons or learnings rather than losses. It's so important. Yeah. And nothing can replace the sting of a true failure that, you know, it, that hurts, right? Yeah. It really hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Like financially or something that you've worked so hard to build and something happens and you know, it's way different. Yeah. Yeah. And it follows you for years. You know, if you're not lucky, like, you know, you're paying back a a monthly debt and you're like, holy shit, this is a hole in my pocket and I could be doing something really worthwhile with this cash right now. But you know what, you just got to ante up and you've got to, um, you've got a responsibility to pay that back debt, you know, especially if it was a personal loan or something along those lines, you've got to be as good as your word because your reputation means a lot. So I made sure that I paid back every cent that I had owing. And it was a, uh, it was a nice feeling when I got it paid off. But at the same time, it took me a while to sort of engage in the mindset of being, um, of understanding that I needed to be grateful for the lesson that to be was to be learned in it because I held it in the wrong place for a long mm-hmm. time and it ate me alive. And, um, but it, I did land in a good place and I was, yeah, you've got to be grateful for those losses because like you said, they're actually, they're not losses, they're lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all about yeah. like framing your mind shift or your mindset Isn't about it? it, right? Like what happens. Yeah. 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 Tell us about some of your losses that you've had. Oh gosh. I feel like, uh, well, I guess a recent one that's kind of unfortunate. My employee gave me his two weeks yesterday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he'll be leaving me. He got okay. hired for like a, a big CPG company, hired him. Yeah. Um, and he was really great. Like he was a really great person to work with. Yeah. Um, so that kind of was really a sad day from yesterday. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've, I'm happy for him. It's what yeah. he wants. And yeah. I think he'll do really well there. Um, but yeah, man, I guess. I haven't really told anyone, but I rushed product development last year. So basically I didn't think about scaling soon enough with the company. Um, Like when you start growing and then supply chain and like, it's one thing for me to make and sell my product myself. But then when you add in all these middlemen, like distributors and retailers, and you have to have a longer shelf life, right? So we went into R and D, we were changing a bunch of things. And I kind of agreed on a formula that I wasn't super happy with. So I launched into the market with this product, um, took the time to get consumer feedback, like um, on the ingredients, the taste, the texture, the look, the feel, everything. Um, now that we have that data, we're going back into, um, product development and changing a bunch of things. So we're kind of backtracking a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that I wish I took more time with, but it Mm -hmm. was a really good learning lesson for me is to be patient (laughs) because I think there's a difference between, um, like, like rushing things and like aggressive patience, right? Like aggressive patience is a thing. Um, and I, 
tend to be very impulsive and I don't really take my time with things. And there are some things that you should be taking your time with. Like I know there's, um, there's one person that posted on LinkedIn uh, a few weeks back and they said that they were an R and D for 36 months with their product. Um, Cause they wanted it to be, they wanted to be fully happy with it. They had the financial capabilities of spending mm. that much time in R and D. Not everyone does. And that was right. another factor why I kind of got out of that stage. Um, but I think it's super, super important to take your time with that. Um, and also listen too. like, I used to be very stubborn and I wouldn't make changes based on feedback. Now I'm very, um, open to constructive criticism from people. And I mm -hmm. take that and I try to improve the business and the product and the brand as best as I can. Um, and we're doing that through the actual product itself. And then a few tweaks with the packaging and stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there is always this sort of mantra out there that's, you know, it's okay to get to market if your product isn't perfect, but if there's something, you know, in your heart that, you know, isn't quite right with it, that can be corrected rather than rushing out to market, you should probably correct it first. Hey, you know, is, yeah. is it, inter so obviously shelf life is really important. Is your product, it's frozen, isn't it? Or is it fresh? Yeah. So gosh, that's another thing. If I could go back in time and change yeah. anything, I always say this is I would have a shelf stable product. Yeah. So if anyone yeah. listening is going to launch a product, make sure yeah. that it's shelf stable. It'll just save you so much time and energy and headaches and yeah. So it's, it's a stored frozen and then yeah. it's refrigerated. So like yeah. when it gets merchandised in the stores, yeah. it's Puts in the fridge. In the fridge. Yeah. Got, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So how did you get around it? So you obviously are in the process right now of correcting the formulation. Is that what's occurring? Yeah. So there are just some things, um, like the, I guess, um, like some of the packaging, there's just a few little issues here yeah. and there that I yeah, make, yeah. need to make tweaks, tweaks okay. with, and then the cost as well. And I'm trying to get away from uh plastic and move kind of mm. into a different type of packaging yeah, that's a little yeah. bit more sustainable better yeah. for the environment um that was another thing that people were really upset with is just the plastic packaging um so that's been in the works we're tweaking a bunch of things with that um and then yeah in terms of shelf life it's so like food is so insane to me like i went to the food lab yesterday and i was talking to um the r d team and I can come to them and be like, this is the ingredients that I want in my product. This is what I want my product to taste like. This is what I want the nutrition to look like. So they're trying to like check all the boxes, but at the same time, they have to make sure that it has certain like pH and water mm. activity and yeah. the shelf life is long enough and it's not too dry and it's not too, not too moist. Like there's all these things. And if you change one ingredient or increase one thing, then everything gets skewed and thrown off. So it's yeah. a really like, balancing act and i have so much respect for people who do it because it can Food be so science. frustrating it's and then nuts, the cost yeah it, yeah you could have the perfect formula but if it's too expensive to manufacture then no one's gonna buy it right yeah. you have to sell it for an arm and a leg so yeah yeah, yeah. hell crazy it is a hell of a journey isn't it so yeah. how did your costings all work out are you happy with where all of that landed as well or did it take some sort of formulate like in adjustments to your formulation so that your costing was sort of in alignment with where you needed it to be so inflation, we all know that that mm. has been a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been really unfortunate. Like my flour went up like 35% or something and um, everything has gone up. Shipping has gone up. Um, so I kind of planned for that and built that into my pricing. And my, yeah. my product is a little bit higher end and more expensive. Um, and we're always looking at swapping out different things to get the cost down. And one of those things is the packaging because... Yeah. 
the plastic containers, they are expensive and um, getting them shipped in and the lead yeah. times. And yeah. I've yeah heard so many packaging nightmares from my friends, like having, or even ingredients, like uh, there was one company and they ordered ingredients um, from overseas and they had to launch this product and it was on a boat, like in the middle of the ocean somewhere and they couldn't get couldn't it. They had it. to yeah. buy new ingredients and get yeah. them blown over yeah, yeah. last minute. So yeah. It is a yeah, common story. Tricky. I know. Yeah. In the packaging industry, you're right. Like we are beholden by shipping lead times right now. And, you know, so I work with flexible packaging. So stand up pouches and, you know, lay flat pouches and stuff like that, roll stock. And uh, yeah, we work with a host of different manufacturers and they all produce the product really, really quickly. It's just a matter of getting it on a sea can and getting it on the ocean. And it's the time on the water that takes the, you know, that is the majority of the time. Um, I mean, we fly stock out for clients if they're in a real hurry and they need to get to market pretty quickly. And, and we don't mark up on our DHL rates. Like we get a discounted rate because of the volumes that we're working with. Like we try to make it as barrier free as we possibly can but yeah it's a huge challenge for a lot of people but unfortunately it's what we're all working with and it's kind of mm -hmm. nice that we are all dealing with it and it's not just sort of like isolated events it's sort of a sweeping broad stroke right across the board but yes costs have definitely gone up for everybody like a really good example is like our shipping containers they've started to um, go down in cost now but like prior to covid you could book a full sea can for like you know five and a half six grand or even less than that at times and then at peak covid it was like 30 35 grand it's just, yeah. how do you absorb that cost? You can't, you have to pass it on. And so, mm. you know, we're seeing it all balance out now, but it's not back, it's nowhere near return to back where it was pre-COVID days. But yeah, yeah, challenge, we've got challenges right across the board. And I'm speaking like not only with business owners on my podcast, but I'm also speaking to business owners and operators out in the field as well when I'm um, selling them packaging. And everybody's got the same challenges, like whether it's a labor challenge and they just cannot find skilled labor or people that even want to work. Like, you know, it's so easy not to work these days. Um, or, you know, lease and rental costs have gone up right across the board or the cost of their equipment is really high or they yeah. can't get parts for their equipment. And yeah, I mean, there are so many challenges. And I guess the, the question is like, how do you confront these challenges? Like, how do you approach a challenge and, uh, and stay balanced? Because I'm sure that like everybody, like when there is an initial challenge or when you find that there's a challenge and it's going to severely impact your business, like your initial reaction is like an initial reaction, but how do you sort of like give your, yourself time to sort of land in a place that's sort of, all right, I've got to take on this challenge and I'm going to find a solution here. Like, how do you work through that? Just talking through it with people who are in the same position, I think mm. it's just been really helpful yeah. um, or people who have kind of been through this at a larger scale, like, yeah. cause I'm very, I'm still very small. Yeah. Um, so I try to surround myself with not only people who are kind of the same size as me, but also bigger and get their advice and stuff. Um, yeah. and then pivoting too, like trying to figure out like what makes the most sense for my brand. Is it mm. doing D to C and figuring that out in the States or is yeah. it expanding more into retail in Canada or um just trying to figure out what's the best model for my company because i can go and talk to like a pancake mix company and their challenges and their you know like yeah. everything's going to be a lot different than mine yeah. um so uh yeah and i have a friend who has an ice cream company and we yeah talk all the time about our frozen struggles we're both yep. frozen and frozen female founders tpg so it's like <laughs> you couldn't get a better partnership all the apps, yeah. yeah 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 that's it it's it's tricky. Um, but yeah, I think just like asking people and getting help and direction and yeah. I have a, a couple mentors. Um, I try not to ask too many people for their opinions because mm -hmm. then you just get, you know, like paralyzed. And dilutes. It sort of dilutes it, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know that Mike Fatter has been a huge influence um, also from what I can tell online. And um, who else are you speaking to at the moment whose opinion you value? So um, Greg Mead from CrossNet. So he's been a really great person to talk to. Um, They're actually crowdfunding. I'll plug that. (laughs) Their company is called CrossNet. Yeah. I'll check um, it out. him and his brother. Yeah. It's like a four square volleyball net company. Um, but they're, they're awesome. Um, and he's been super supportive and been there for me throughout the growth of the company. Um, and, uh, I have another, um, mentor Bernard Bacayek from the greater goods. Um, yeah, Mike Fada, he's been a mentor of mine. He's been a really great, um, person to go to because he's just been through it all right Mm. um and then yeah i have a couple friends who are kind of in the same startup boat and we just get on calls and stuff and just lay everything out there and see if we can help each other with all the stuff we're going through so that's been really helpful oh great um chipmunk david from chipmunk is coming on the show uh next week yeah yeah so i'm really looking forward to having that conversation um i've had a couple of chats with some international businesses but yeah he'll be the first from houston in texas which would be really cool yeah he's awesome he's been a good one too like i've yeah i've had a few conversations with him they're crushing it they do everything themselves yeah 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 Yeah. actually you know what like yes he's crushing it i agree with you however i did notice and it was really cool because and you know what i'm just going to pull up my email because i've just put a link in it when i was before i send any before i um have a podcast with a guest as you know i send a quick email just uh preparing everybody for the chat you know with some posts that i've found that i think could be relevant and i found a linkedin post and it was a really interesting one and i thought this just sort of shows sort of the kind of content that people like you are putting up on linkedin so he said this is david downing who's the co-founder and ceo at chipmunk baking so he said in august chipmunk baking had our highest revenue month for the year but still lost money 2022 mm-hmm. has been a real struggle as we've faced significantly higher costs across the board so ingredients um customer acquisition labor etc while in sales some channels have stagnated having gone through fundraising several times my overarching or my overarching focus for the year was to get profitable i didn't want to get caught in a constant cycle of asking for extra capital. So, I mean, the post goes on, but yeah, I mean, that's just a great example of like how honest and transparent people are. And it was like, yeah, he's crushing it, no doubt. But he's like, you know, they're still at a point right now where there are still a lot of struggles as well. So, you know, this seems to be a common theme, especially for startup businesses. And like, this is a cycle that's going to keep on going for years and years until you sort of do reach a point of profitability. And then you have to go through a sort of another event of growth and, you know, you've got to double down and get more investment or, you know, keep on bootstrapping Mm -hmm. for a lot longer. It's, it's a constant evolution and cycle of growth. And, um, you know, I guess the other thing that I've noticed a lot is that you do, um, Oh, you're quite transparent and you post a lot about your personal growth that you've had. And I was wondering, like, you've obviously started a business and you've put your heart and soul into Brodo. And, um, you know, I, from an outsider's perspective as well, like this, there's a huge amount of growth that you have found in yourself. Do you think that that would have occurred if you hadn't have started Brodo? Or do you think that it's a hand in hand relationship? Like you putting yourself into your business has allowed you to grow as the business grows. It's sort of like happening in unison. That's a really good question. And I always, I don't know, I try not to think about like the what ifs and stuff. Yeah, of course. But I think, yeah. I think if I didn't have the company, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I yeah. think I would be a lot similar to like the old version of me, very reserved, very quiet, like kept mm. to myself, um, mm-hmm. not spontaneous. 
I think I hit a breaking point. I don't know. I feel like I still would be an entrepreneur. I just don't yeah. know what I would be doing. It's in your blood. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because for so long I, tr- I like tried to compartmentalize my life and separate mm-hmm. my personal life from my business. Like I even had two phones. I had my personal phone and my business phone. And I was mm-hmm. like, it was a mental thing for me. I'm like, I need to keep these separate, separate from my sanity. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the deeper and I got into building this company, I realized, okay, like there is no nine to five. There is no shutting it off. It's on all the time. I just need to accept it. I need to lean into it and just, you know, own it. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess um, along the way, I just kind of figured out who I am. It's so cheesy, but like, I figured out what I can do, what I can't do, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, things that Mm -hmm. I need to improve on. And the things that used to scare me the most growing up, I used to run away from. And then Mm -hmm. now, like when I get uncomfortable, I'm like, why? Why does that make me uncomfortable? Like there's something, something weird is there. I need to like tap into it further, Mm. which is really interesting because I never used to be like that. And then it's just like, kind of like this, like staircase approach. I kind of figure out something that I'm not very good at that I want to explore and then I improve it. And then I find something else, like Mm. maybe a little bit deeper, like podcasts, for example, those are something that I just God, like yours is probably one of the first ones that I went on maybe. And I remember before going on podcasts, like a year, year and a half ago, I'd be like shaking. I would like go through and like, um, gosh, like make, make notes and stuff and really think about what I was going to say. And, um, yeah, it would just be a big mess. And then now it just comes so naturally. But the thing that I'm working on now is public speaking. I, yes, I did notice public that. speaking. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. gosh, I hate it. Like I hate yeah. it. And it's so uncomfortable for me. And I, I overanalyze everything. Like I did a couple speaking events, um, over the past month. And I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Reflecting back, I'm like, oh gosh, like, why did I say that? Or, you know, I just, I think <laughs> yeah. we're so critical of ourselves and I'm sure yeah. you listen to to yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, oh yeah. god, I can't. Even. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I know. I've got the luxury of you know giving things a bit of a polish and an edit, and I try my hardest not to. Um, but yeah, public speaking, I know exactly where you're coming from. I was lucky enough to um, to there was an event on last year for Andrea Gray Grant, and I was um, hosting a panel, and you know, at first, yeah, of course you start a little bit nervous and then you eventually get, build some confidence. And at the end, it's a lot of fun. Like there's a bit of a rush when you're walking off. You're like, that was awesome. I want to do that again, but it takes time to sort of land in that spot. But I haven't done much public speaking at all, if any, to be honest, like I got up at our wedding and had a bit to say there and, you know, but opportunities don't really present themselves unless you put yourself out there. And that's what you've started to do. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah, it is a, interesting i just think back to like high school and i remember like going up to my teacher and i'm like yeah. can i present on my lunch break one-on-one i don't want yeah. to do it in front of the class yeah. and then now yeah. i'm like in front of a room of like 150 people yeah. staring at me and it's like oh god how did i get here it's yeah, so cool yeah. but it's so scary i know it's yeah. yeah it's bizarre even getting up in front of class and just presenting at times in the past for me was a bit daunting so yeah, yeah. i know what you're going through um what do you do outside of brodo how do you keep yourself busy do you have any hobbies uh, so I got into hot yoga oh, cool. um, last yep. October and honest to God, like I never thought I would be a person who did. I kind of looked at that and was like, I could never, I can yep. never do that. Yep. Um, and I actually, I really love it. And then I started doing hot Pilates and I do like hot workout classes and I try to do those like five times a week now just to keep my sanity. Yep. Um, and then go on hikes, uh, try to take time off, um, like there's a, I went to the spa retreat place like oh, last cool. month for a few days, which was super nice. 
didn't really have cell service there, which was yeah. different yeah. to just like unplug. And um, I'm trying to read more. It's not really happening as much as I would like it to for, yeah. for podcasts. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important, you know, like being with yourself and kind of yeah. just shutting things down every now and again, right? I agreed. Yeah, I um, I'm getting back into my early morning routine now. You know, it's been well. What was it the first of the month? So what? What's the date? The twenty second, I think, or the twenty third? Aren't we? Yeah, we're at the twenty third. So today's day twenty three of getting up nice and early, having a workout, or going out for a run slash walk with my dog, and you know, yeah. blowing out the cobwebs. And I'm really enjoying, you know, finding that rhythm back again. And you know, it's like when you're doing it, you're like, why would I ever stop? You know, like I'm really enjoying this and you see the benefits of like feeling fitter and like eating healthier and all of that kind of stuff. And you know that your mind's sharper and you're doing, you know, yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know why I fall off the wagon at times, but it's my, it's my uh, goal right now to just keep on going. And if I do fall on the wagon, get back on the next day. Like there's no yeah. reason to sort of not have this a part of my life. So yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely see the value in, you know, heading to yoga and stuff like that, that you are, especially you know, being a solo entrepreneur, you can only really rely on yourself. So you've got to be at your best every single day so that you can be your best for Brodo. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I fall off the wagon too. And yeah. uh, when I take longer to get back on the wagon, I notice that it just pours into other areas of my life. Like yeah. Yeah. my eating habits change, yeah. you know, my energy levels are down. I'm not able to give back to people as much as I yeah. normally would have. Right. Yeah. Cause you, if you fill your cup then your cup's more full and you can pour into other places. So yeah. I think it's so important. It carries over into all other areas of your life. Yep. Agreed. So Erica, what's the next 12 months hold for you? Gosh, I don't even know. I, I yeah. feel like everything's changing. Um, yeah, it really is. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, I, yeah, I'm going to crowdfund. So oh, that's cool. going to be happening. Yeah. So that's, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, I like really want my community to get involved and feel like they are a part of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that will be launching, in the fall, yep. um, we're looking at U.S. expansion. Um, I'm not sure what that will look like, whether it mm-hmm. would be me exporting product across the border or actually finding a manufacturer. But those are all conversations that are happening right now. Yep. And then just growing the crap out of it in Canada. So yep. I think by 2023, Q, like Q1, Q2, looking at opening up um, the West Distribution Center. So product Amazing. will be out your way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, more about this crowdfunding campaign. I know that Laurie Joyce from Better With Ice Cream um, had a really successful campaign. And uh, I think, I don't know if you have ever come across Laurie or whether you have come across her campaign at all, but it's definitely worth looking at in terms of a template. I think you should probably reach out and have a chat. So she's my uh, female oh, frozen cool. founder friend. Okay, yeah, right, so. right, right. So I had her on the podcast twice to talk okay. about her crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome. Like she was so diligent and um, had a really clear vision for what it was. She really didn't spare any expense, but I think she was extremely tight with her budget and what she wanted to spend. And uh, yeah, from all intents and purposes, from what I understand, she had a really successful campaign. So that's awesome that you can work with her and, you know, ask her all the questions in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I actually talked to her like a few nights ago. Yeah. yeah, We're we're pals. She's a really great person. Yeah. She is a good person. Yeah. She works really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shout out to Lori. Look up better with if you're listening to this. I've eaten her ice cream quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's it's great. Yeah. 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 So yeah, she's been kind of like a a big guide and help with that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, we're using Front Funder, so that's the platform oh, you are? that oh, she is. There you yeah, go. Yeah, all right, so you're yeah. all over this. You don't need me to give you advice. There you go. So yeah, Laurie <laughs> Joyce. 
Awesome. Yeah, Laurie Joyce. Yeah. And I recommend, and if anyone hasn't heard of Laurie Joyce, I recommend um, checking her out on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, when throughout the period of her campaign, she put out a lot of really good content about Front Funder and all of the value that that brought to her business. Because, um, you know, not only can you get active with the business that you want to invest in, but yeah, it's sort of like a marketing campaign in itself. It was really cool. It was cool to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it'll be good. It's yeah, it's new. <laughs> Can I ask a few questions about that? Like, are you at a point where you've developed what your budget is for what you want to spend in terms of like, you know, getting all of your content up on there? Like, where are you at in that sort of part of the process? So we're super like early. Um, okay. I basically just signed on with them. Mm -hmm. um, I paid the due diligence fees. We're going yep. through that process. Yeah. Um, yeah. They sent me a bunch of folders and links where I'm supposed to upload everything. So I'm just daunting like that yeah. process. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little yeah. daunting. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. We're just cool. going through all of that. Um, it's really nice because I just send over a lot of my marketing stuff and my graphics and they kind of yeah. build out the campaign and we awesome. kind of figure out what we want it to look like. So um, I really want the personal brand as well and the story and the the journey to come across in that campaign. So I think that's super important. Yeah, no, I'm sure it will. I'm looking forward to seeing that get built out and, you know, yeah. putting all of your content up on LinkedIn regarding that too. I'm sure there'll be a lot in that for, for, for us all to learn from as well. Yeah, I hope so. Cool. So front funder and uh, yeah, hell of a lot more. So you're going to be busy. Yeah, busy. Busy's good. I uh, never know where this business is going to take me. I'm sure we'll talk in 12 months and I'll yeah. be like, what the heck? <laughs> Let's do that. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed having a chat with you and getting up to date on where you're at with Brodo. And uh, yeah, looking forward to watching your videos roll in daily. Yeah, thanks, Hayden. Appreciate it. Yep, no worries, Erica. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for taking the time out of your busy day to join me for today's episode. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation or if you've got any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn or Instagram at thepackheavypodcast. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how I can help you with your business and your packaging vision, feel free to drop me a line and we'll continue the conversation there too. I'll see you next week.